Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Hear God's word. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask You to communicate Your will to Your people today. Lord, give us ears to hear. Open up the clogged up, noisy, messy places of our brains and our hearts and our inner being, Lord, and speak. Lord, may your word have an awakening effect to it today. And Lord, I pray that you would be merciful to us and to everyone within the sound of this word, that you would be merciful to us, Lord. Draw us near. Give us a glimpse today of your love. Give us a glimpse today of that great plan that you have from all eternity to create a family, to bring us into your own household. Lord, communicate to us today, we ask. Speak. Holy Spirit, we are listening. We pray this in Christ's name and through His strength and His righteousness. Amen. He is my real dad. He is my real dad. That was the response to an ignorant and insensitive question that I asked my neighbor when we were growing up. The question was, do you know your real dad? And he said, he is my real dad. See, I had just learned that my friends Don and James were adopted. I had just learned this. Their dad, whose name uh, was Bobby Dukes, had insisted on adopting the eight and nine-year-old boys when he married their mother, who had been living as a single mom for many years. And Mr. Bobby embraced these boys as his very own, not just legally, but truly. And that was reflected in in Don's indignant answer to my ignorant question. He is my real dad. See, adoption is a definitive change in relationship. It's a definitive change in relationship. It's It's a beautiful picture, adoption, of God's love for his people. So that when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus, the Bible tells us that God graciously adopts us. That He adopts us into His family. And listen to this, He is our real dad. He is our real dad. 
And in today's passage, we're going to discover three gifts that come when God adopts us, when God brings us into His family, these three gifts through Jesus Christ that we get as we are adopted. The first gift is found in verses 14 and 15, and it's this, that our adoption gives us intimacy with God. That our adoption gives us intimacy with God. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Intimacy with God. Verse 14 says, all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Now, we, we use that sometimes to mean that God led me to do this or the Spirit led me to do that. That's not what this is talking about. This is not talking about that hunch that you get, that, that inner leading that you get. Not what this is talking about. Why? Because in the context, he tells us. Just a few verses earlier, we learned that to be led by the Spirit means that we do what the Spirit does, that we love what the Spirit loves, that we walk where the Spirit walks, that we put to death the things that the Spirit puts to death. Do you see what I'm saying? To be led by the Spirit means loving the things that the Spirit loves, saying the things that the Spirit says. It means walking in righteousness. It means putting to death the deeds of the flesh. It means loving God and loving neighbor. That's what the Spirit is doing. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit in this context. Led to love God and love our neighbor. Paul says, these are the people, the ones who are led by the Spirit, who are the sons of God. The ones who love God and the ones who love neighbor, the ones who put to death the old nature, the ones who live to God's will and His righteousness. These, Paul says, are the sons of God. In verse 15 he says, and not only that, but you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He says that's not the kind of spirit you receive. You're not going backwards. Some people think becoming a Christian means losing your freedom, right? Some people think it means I got to give up something. I got to give up everything, everything that brings me happiness. I got to give it up. And you know, it's true to some degree, <laughs> right? Because, there's, because there are things that, that we have to turn away from, desires of the flesh, things that destroy us, <laughs> right? They don't feel like they destroy us. But God says, don't fall back into that old slavery mindset. Don't fall back into that mindset of fear. We are actually liberated from fear. As we come to Christ, as we are adopted as His sons, we are liberated from fear. And our enemy, our old enemies, the world, the flesh, and the spiritual enemies, the devil, and all of his minions... They want to control us with fear. 
They do. They want to control us. Our own flesh, our own sinful nature, the world and the, and the devil want to control us with fear. Listen to how this works. I, I got a couple examples of how this works. We think, if I follow God's way and tell the truth, I will be ruined. If I tell the truth, I will be ruined. See how fear seeks to control you? If I stop sleeping with my girlfriend, she'll leave me. See how fear of, of these consequences seeps in and begins to control you? If I tell the truth on my tax return, I'm going to go broke. See how fear plays a role in getting us to do what the flesh and the devil and the world want us to do. That's their, that's their game, y'all. Their game is to play on your fears so that when God comes in and says, this is the way, this is true, this is beautiful, this is right, we say, uh-uh, that's going to mess up my life. That's going to cause me to pain and misery and death and, and slavery. But God says, no, what you're... What you're what your enemy wants is your slavery. Your enemy wants you to fall back into fear. God wants you to know that you have a new family. That you are adopted by Him and that you no longer have to live in fear. That He is going to provide for you. That you're not going to lose the relationships that are meaningful to you. That you're not going to uh, lose your happiness. Actually, it's going to be established better. You're not going to uh, be, be miserable if you give up your sin. God says, no, I've brought you into my family. I love you. I'm going to provide everything you need. And see, when we're adopted, we get a new relationship, right? We get a new relationship with God who actually can give us everything that we need. He describes this relationship with very intimate terminology. Very intimate, term, very intimate terminology, Abba. Abba, Father. This word Abba is similar to our English word uh, that Laurie used in her prayer a moment ago, Daddy. That word Abba is, is very intimate. It's very close. It's very trusting. It's very full of love and authenticity. Abba. Daddy. This is the kind of relationship that God offers to each and every one of us. God does not relate to us with fear. Now, some Christian in name only folks want to, want to uh, uh, say that God will operate with fear. Right? They want to say that, that God is just waiting to drop the hammer. And so you walk around your life worried that God is going to finally drop the hammer. I remember feeling this way when I was a young Christian. I remember feeling like at some point, God's just going to get me. At some point, it's all going to fall apart. At some point, it's going to hit. Because God's going to get me. We think that it's about fear. We think that God says, just slip up one time and I'll punish you. 
But brothers and sisters, that is not how God treats us. He loves us with an unconditional love. He gives us intimacy. He invites us into His lap to call Him Abba, Father, Daddy. He sends His very Spirit to indwell us. There's nothing more intimate than being indwelt by the Spirit of God. To experience that closeness that God has for us by indwelling with us. This, I think, may have already been up on the screen a moment ago. Religion says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me. But the gospel says, I messed up, I need to call my dad. Do you see the difference in that? There's such a difference. Because there's intimacy that we have with God. Intimacy, closeness. And our lives should be motivated by that intimacy. Let me give you an example. Sometimes my kids will get frustrated about something that I've asked them to do. Does that ever happen to any of you parents out there? Uh, sometimes my, ch- my kids will get frustrated. Sometimes when I was a kid, I got frustrated with things that my parents were asking me to do. It, all ha- it always happens, right? And one thing that I've learned, I actually learned this from my wife, because I think she was, uh, she's just a genius parent in some ways. She's very humble, and I, I'm just throwing this out there because I really did learn this from her. But one thing that we try to do whenever that happens, whenever I can tell my kids are frustrated, like I've asked them to do something they don't want to do, and I can tell they're frustrated, and if I'm, if I'm thinking about it, if God helps me, I will say, do you, do you know that I love you? Do you remember that I love you? Do, you? do you think that your mom and I have a good plan for you? That we're planning something exciting for you just around the corner? Do you remember those conversations? We'll say, do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that I've got something good planned for you? Do you believe that? Can, do you believe you can trust me? That, I, that I'm planning something that's good for you. And that you've got to get through this little thing I've asked you to do. But there's going to be something good on the other side. I'm planning good for you. And man, when we have those conversations, I can't say they always like turn around and say, yes, dad, I'm going to do with joy, you know, what, what you've asked me to do, right? And neither do we, right? When, when, when we remember God's good plan, when we remember his grace, it doesn't immediately change us, but it should. It gives us a different motivation when we think about the intimacy that God has for his children, The more that we trust that God is for you, the more that we trust that God, our Father, our Daddy, our Abba, is for us, then the more we will gladly submit and follow His way. Those two things have to be tied together, don't they? And we have to believe that He's for us, that our adoption gives us intimacy with God. Second, our adoption gives us confidence in God. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 reads, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This means that God's Spirit communicates with us. Sometimes it's in the very words of Scripture. John 1 verse 12 says it this way, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Right there in the words of Scripture, the Holy Spirit can can give us that confidence. To all who did receive Him, that's me, 
I did receive him to all who believe in his name. That's me. I do believe in him. What? He gave the right to become children of God. I am a child of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the very words of Scripture. And at other times, it comes to us in ways that we cannot explain. God's Spirit draws near, comforts us, fills us, warms our spirits, invites us up into the lap of God to be held close. See, the Holy Spirit gives us confidence of God's commitment to us that we are children of God. He comforts those who are His. And so the real question here is, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, have, have, you, have you received Him? Have you received Him? Not your parents, not generations before, not I went to church, not I was baptized, but have you received Him? I hope that you have. I hope that you have experienced this intimacy that the Scripture talks about here, that closeness with the Father, that Daddy, Abba love. But if not, let today be the day where you receive Him. Let today be the day where you believe in His name. Where you actually say, okay, this is for me. I do believe that you are calling me to be one of yours. That you're signing the paper to adopt me into your family and receive him. Put your life in his hands today, brothers and sisters. Put your life in his hands. Receive the new name that he has placed on you, the name of Jesus. Receive it. This, this adoption thing is all about God's grace. It's all about receiving. See, it's, it's not something that you do. It's something that God offers to us that we receive. Man, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's not about you got to get it together. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do the right thing. No, God says receive it. Have you ever gotten a gift and you were just blown away by it? Just like, really? That's how we should respond to this gift from God. The same kind of disbelief of really me? Amazing love. How can it be? There's an old hymn that says that. That thou, my God, would die for me. How can it be? We are children of God. This is a definitive act of God. And it cannot be changed. It cannot be undone. We have confidence we can have confidence in our new position. We are children of God. What an incredible new reality, church. Y'all are really quiet today. What an incredible new reality that we are children of God. Think about what it means that we are placed under God's protection. We are placed under God's care. We are placed in God's household. We are placed under His legal protection. And there's more to it than that. It's not just a legal act. God is not just obligated to you. Listen, He actually likes you. I'm going to say that again. God is not only obligated to you, He actually likes you. And all of your quirks, and all of your hang-ups, and all of your 
right? In all of that, He actually likes you, and he, that's why there's this intimacy. That's why we can have this confidence with God, because He actually likes you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Uh, those of you that have kids or grandkids, take out your phone. Open up your camera roll. How many pictures of your children are in that? How many pictures of your grandchildren are in that camera roll? I would guess a lot. I was looking through mine. It's like every three pictures is a picture of my kids. Why? Because we, we actually like our kids. <laughs> right? We're, we're actually proud of them. They are precious to us. Yes, they're frustrating at times. Amen? <laughs> and so are we, right, as parents. Yes, we have to discipline them. Yes, we have obligations to feed them and shelter them and educate them. But these legal obligations do not define the relationship my camera roll does. My camera roll defines the relationship. Love defines the relationship. I actually like them. And I want you to think about that. God has a camera roll that He pulls out every day and He scrolls through it and your face is in there. And it's probably more than every three pictures. Although He loves His creation too, right? He's probably got some landscapes in there. He loves you. Not out of obligation. He actually likes you. And by God's grace, we can wake up every day not wondering if God loves us, not wondering, is the hammer going to drop today? Is today the day that He screws me over? We don't have to worry about that. Why? Because we've been adopted. We've been brought in. We've been given status as His children. Wouldn't it be amazing to have that kind of confidence in your daddy in heaven? Wouldn't it be amazing? God can give you that. God can give you this confidence that He speaks of here. This intimacy and this confidence. I want you to imagine. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine that God is looking down on your life right now and that He can see it all. He can see everything. The, the, the public things and the private things. That He's looking down on your life right now. And I want you to answer this question in your head. What is he thinking? As he looks down on your life, the public things and the private things, the things that no one else knows, what is God thinking about you? You can open your eyes. This question will tell you a lot about what you think God thinks about you. Your, your practical faith. I like to say it's your, it's, your, it's your practical faith. I'll be honest. Many times in my life, I would answer, he's disappointed in me. Many times in my life, I would answer that question, he must be disappointed in me. I haven't done everything that I know he wants me to do. I've done things that I know He doesn't want me to do. 
I've fallen back into old sinful patterns. I've wasted my time and my talents. Surely he's disappointed. Surely he's upset. Surely he's frustrated. That is not true. It is not true. It is not true. The Scripture says all who are led by the Spirit are sons and daughters of God. You have been forgiven of your past sins through Christ. You have been brought into God's family, adopted legally and loved. You have been given a new name. The name of Jesus is placed on your life so that that when God looks at you, He doesn't see all the screw-ups. He looks at you even now and says, well done. Great job. I'm proud of you. I love you. Let's hang out. (laughs) Let's go do something. Our adoption gives us intimacy with God. Our adoption gives us confidence in God. And thirdly, our adoption gives us an inheritance from God. Our adoption gives us an inheritance from God. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Just as a side note, we're not going to talk about suffering today, okay? We're going to talk about it next week. The whole next section is about suffering, so get ready. Put your seatbelt on. Next week is going to be about suffering So I'm not skipping over that, I'm just waiting, all right? But he begins this and he says, if children, then heirs, heirs of God. For for the original audience that Paul was writing, adoption was a very familiar concept, but it was slightly different than we think of today. And there's a reason why he says adopted as sons and not sons and daughters. We think of adoption as being, you know, broad. Boys and girls, right? But in those days... Adoption was particularly of sons, and that's why our translators have left that word sons, okay? Because it's talking about a historical practice of adoption within Roman culture. And in those days, the eldest son, the oldest son, was the heir. But if a man didn't have a son, if he didn't have a son, then by Roman law, he could adopt a son to secure his inheritance so that it wouldn't go into the court system that it wouldn't fall to someone else. He could actually adopt it. So this was a way in those days of of passing on your inheritance to a trusted adopted son. It was a legal arrangement. The moment of the adoption, several things happen legally. The first thing is this. The debts and the liabilities of the son were erased. The debts and the liabilities of the son was erased. The adopted son would get a new name, and with that, a new status. The adopted son would instantly, at the moment of adoption, instantly become heir to all of the father's possessions. Everything is now his. Everything 
is now his. That is what adoption meant in that, in that original context. And by the way, it was shocking for Paul to say, you're adopted and you can call him Abba. Because that, mind-blowing to them, because it was more of a legal thing for them. But he's bringing in all of this intimacy, grace, love, stuff into the gospel. Right? He's bringing all of that into this picture. But adoption still is this beautiful picture of God's grace. Why? Because all of the cost, all of the, all of the, uh, all of the initiative is on the part of the Father. God does it. God does the work. It's costly for Him alone. The Son receives everything. The Son gets all the good from it, but the Father has a cost. God has a cost. Our adoption has a cost. A few weeks ago, Mr. Bobby, remember at the very beginning I was telling you about the family, my neighbors, and uh, Mr. Bobby died uh, about a month ago now. And when he died, the family, who are still friends, called me and asked me if I would do the funeral, uh, to which I agreed. And so I went over to their house with a mask and sat there with them and just listened to them tell me about dad, about their dad. I listened to a lot of stories, and, and, and one story really stood out. One story really stood out. Miss Judy, uh, James and Don's mom, she had been looking through old paperwork, I guess because of arrangements and everything. She'd been looking through old paperwork, and she found the original adoption papers where Mr. Bobby had adopted uh, James and Don. She found those original papers. She was flipping through them, and on page three, Mr. Bobby had circled something in red, with a red pen. He had circled a paragraph with a red pen. I want to read that to you right now. There's a picture of what it looks like. It says this, ordered that Gussie Robert Dukes is hereby declared to be the father of James Robert Westbury Jr. and Donald Earl Westbury. It is further ordered that the minor's name be changed to James Robert Dukes and Donald Earl Dukes, circled in red. He circled these sentences with a red pen because it was so important to him that these boys have a new name. He was proud of his adopted sons, who at the time were eight and nine years old. He was overjoyed that they were now officially his children, and they were now Dukes. Right? He circled it. Ah, the love of the Father for His adopted sons. You know, that red ink reminds me of something. <laughs> that red ink reminds me of the blood of Jesus. That's what it took, y'all. That's what it took for us to get our new names from God. It took the blood of Jesus so that we are no longer known as slaves, but as sons and daughters. That we are no longer known as broken sinners, but beautiful. We are no longer known as faithless, 
but as forgiven and faithful. See, verse 17 says, we are heirs with Christ. We are fellow heirs with Christ. One of the most intimate moments between Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father was when Jesus was facing the cross. He was facing the cross. He was facing the wrath of God. He was facing everything that our sins deserved. And in that garden, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will. Abba, Jesus was facing, he was facing the wrath of his Father. He was facing the wrath of God, not for his own sin, but for ours, for yours and mine. He was facing pain and misery. He was facing death and hell on that cross. And so he cries out to not his legal representative, no, Abba, Daddy, get me out of here. This is too much. But I trust you. But I trust you. I know you are for me and I will do your will. Even though in my human nature it makes no sense. I trust you and I will do your will. And because Jesus did, because he cried Abba and because he trusted his Father so perfectly, our names are circled in red. For all who put their trust in him, for all who believe in his name, your name is circled in red. Your name has been changed so that you can have intimacy with God. Right? That you can have intimacy with God. That you can no longer live in fear like you did before. You don't have to walk in the way that you used to walk. You don't have to. Why? Because you have a God who loves you. And he lays out a path for you that, we, that you just may walk in it. And no, it doesn't always make sense, but you trust him. Just like Jesus did. Right? And he gives us an inheritance. So that this life... And all of its trouble is not the end of the story. But that we get the hope of eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Where all of the, the want to, all of the desires will be forever changed. We're not even going to want to sin anymore. Good will be all there will be. An inheritance forever. God is your real dad. He is your real dad. Let's, pr let's pray. Abba, Daddy, 
I'm so sorry that I often think that you are disappointed in me. I, I look at myself and I think, how could you want this? How could you approve of this? And yet, I need to fix my eyes somewhere else. We need to fix our eyes somewhere else. Help us. Help us to do that. Help us to believe the Spirit's testimony that we are children of God. That we are loved and even liked by you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw near to each person right here in this room. That that those who have not yet placed their trust in you would be unable to not place their trust in you today. And for those of and the, for those of us who are already your children, Lord, that you would draw us up into your lap. Give us an experience of intimacy with you, of confidence in you, and a, and a foretaste of that inheritance that we look forward to. You are our real dad. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.